I can't control my comedic genius. It's not part of the torture of being given this gift was that I wasn't given. I can't control it. It just happens to me. I'm a passive spectator of my own life, my own genius. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm okay. You're okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. What are you going to tell the sea when the, when the tide when the tide should come in and out? Are you going to take all the salt out of the ocean? Are you going to take all the salt out of the ocean? I mean, I can Good see luck. taking some out. You know, if you're Morton, if your name is Morton, and you got a salt company, yeah, take some salt out, but don't take all of it because the fish need to be salted and seasoned so I can eat them. How cool would it be if the if the oceans were salt and pepper? <laughs> dude, just sign me up, dude. Strap on a bib and let me eat. Let me eat out of that dude, ocean. Give me a fork and give me some, I don't know, 30 or 40 minutes of free time. How about people who don't eat meat? First of all, try getting one of those people to shut the fuck up about what they do and don't eat. Impossible. Oh yeah, it's impossible. And then how about the fact that they'll eat fish? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't. I don't eat meat. Oh, except for fish. I care about animals, except also. Fish. I don't mind torturing the fuck out of cows to get their cheese. Oh, and eggs. You know how you get eggs? You kill five billion male chickens a day. I was trying to explain. We had a we had a briefly a tour manager who was like. A vegan, which is totally cool. Be a vegan. I don't give a fuck. Be a vegan. Be whatever the fuck you want. Dude, be but what he, you want. But he would not shut the fuck up about it. And I was like getting on his case about it. I was like, dude, no one cares what you do and don't eat. Why do you tell everybody all the time? And he had like his laptop, you know, that he was always working on. He had like vegan stickers on it. I said, dude, let me just try to put this in perspective for you. Imagine if I had my laptop here and I had stickers on it that said meat eater. Like, why do you, I don't feel the need to tell everybody what my diet is. Right. God damn. I think John Donne said it correctly back in 1485. He that doth protest too much. Doeth too much. (laughs) Yeah. How are you doing, by the way? (sighs) I don't know. Pretty good, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Dude, I don't know either. But hey, here's what I do know. Not knowing is better than knowing. Because, yeah, right. Well, not knowing is better than knowing that you're not good. (laughs) Yeah. Knowing you're not good is not as good as not knowing how you're doing. I'd rather not know how I'm doing, actually. I'm I'm doing really good in some areas and then just not sure in others. Like uh, I made last night, I saw this Instagram recipe where you make the cornbread in like a casserole dish on top of chili. Oh, no. And the little redneck in me was like, well, hell yeah, I'm making that. And then it felt good to make it, you know? Yeah. So Nova, my daughter, has gymnastics, whatever last night was. So I made this dish, cooked it up myself. Yeah. Took it, and then we take it to her to because she goes straight from school to gymnastics for daycare. Then she stays there for gymnastics. So we usually take her dinner. Took her dinner, real clear within the first few bites that neither her nor my wife liked it. And they were being nice about it, but I felt bad. And there was no other options for food because we were at gymnastics. So they sort of grimaced and ate it and hated it. 
And then I came home and most of the dish was still there. And I had last night the NBA kicked back up and I watched two basketball games and I just slowly ate almost all of it. And that's not good. But if you leave a dish on the stove and then you just every five, six minutes, you get up and go take a spoonful of it, you don't feel like you're eating a bunch of bullshit. But then at the nighttime, when it's bedtime and it's almost all gone and you realize you ate all of it, that's bad. Well, it's not bad today. Just get you got to get right back on the stick. You can't repeat that day after day. No. You can do it for one day. You can do it for one day, and then you got to take a week off. It's just hard to do that. Uh, Here's what I got going in my household. My seven-year-old is now not disliking, but using the word hate, dishes that she's always loved. Mm. So I'll cook. I'll like make a salad for her, and she's like, oh, I hate this salad. I'm like, what? You loved the salad before, and now you hate it? Yeah, now I hate it. What do you want? Honey nut Cheerios cereal and waffles <laughs> all the time. I mean, I guess you can live on that. Eventually, you can eat anything when you're You're going to look like a meth addict. Your teeth are going to fall out. Your belly's going to be distended. Your belly full, but you're hungry. Well, here's the good news for you. Honey Nut Cheerios, Eggos, real easy to make. (laughs) Real easy to throw that together. Dude, I'm just parking my kid in front of the TV, making Eggos, and putting bowls of Cheerios in front of her, and piecing the fuck out, dude. Well. Good luck, seven-year-old. I know I'm supposed to be parenting, but hey, you made your bed. Now, di- now, <laughs> slowly, <laughs> slowly, diabetes in it. Oh man, man, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I here's what they did to me when I was five, and I was going to the German after school daycare center that was run by nuns. I dude, I remember this like it happened five seconds ago, and not just barely over thirty years ago. I'm sitting there and they serve up the girthiest, stoutest, gray wurst I've ever seen. Sounds good. What's wrong with me? That sounded good to me. I mean, this wurst was probably three inches thick. It's making me hungry. You're talking about it right now and it's making me hungry. And four inches long. Are we still talking about food? Uh, who knows at this point a girthy gray sausage and they're like i'm like i don't want to eat that because i'm five even as a man i'd be like i mean i'll try a bite of it but it does not look tasty but as a kid i would not eat it and they were like you're gonna sit there and you're gonna sit there in front of that plate and you're not gonna leave until you eat it and i sat there for hours dude and hours for a kid is like inflation it'd be like you having to sit in front of a plate for about four and a half days yeah that's some black mirror shit anyways i mean i still remember it i never ate it my parents eventually picked me up you know and they were like where's our kid oh he's in the cafeteria what's he doing in there he's staring at a fucking girthy gray sausage and crying 
Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't quite have that German experience, but when I would I would go to my dad's trailer park twice a month. Nice. And he would be, and this was usually on Saturdays. Guess what he liked to do on Saturdays? Watch football games, get drunk with his buddies. So he would then take us to my grandparents' house and leave us. And my grandparents yeah. didn't want to raise any kids again. Right. So then they they would, already did such a they, they did, did a great job. A good job with your dad. So then they, they would, wanted repeat performance. So then they would take me to some lady's house who oh, had God. like fifteen kids running around. It it wasn't a daycare. I want to reiterate, it was just some lady's house, right? Who wore a muumu the entire time. I don't know what what's a muumu, so I can get a good picture. A muumu is like one long gown, like an old lady gown. She was never not in a muumu. I I've never heard the term muumu, but that can't be like. Can you still? I mean, if I guess if you're in Alabama, you can use any word you want. But if you're in like in New York City, can you use the word muumu? I mean, muumu is a real word, dude. Nana, nana, in a muumu. It's look up m u m u. It's a word. It's a muumu. Okay, okay, okay. It's just a long old lady gown. I got it. No, I know what it is now that you said long old lady gown. Well, isn't muumu a way, way more efficient way to say that? I mean, if you know what the word muumu <laughs> means, <laughs> if you don't, it's a long ass conversation. Well, here's the deal about this. So I, I get dropped off at my dad's. My dad drops me off at grandparents. Grandparents drop me off at muumu house. Right. With 15 unwanted unloved other kids it was lord of the fucking flies <laughs> fuck yeah dude you're at this fucking it's like fucking being thrown into a fucking federal pen you gotta figure out some strategies real quick how old are you i mean this is when i was like six dude where Jesus do you think i Christ. got my cut yourself in prison and rub shit in the wound thing this is i've been <laughs> been working on this theory for 30 years dude oh my god uh, anyway the things you learn in those situations and you know what happened it turned me into who i am today yeah it turned you into a fucking diamond here's the deal dude kids nowadays aren't being turned into diamonds no. they're just lumps of coal. coal so they they get out of the world and they're like hey why aren't you shining like a brand new diamond and they're like uh, we, we got no pressure put on us and we're like oh we're doing a better job than our parents did but are we I don't know. I'm not convinced. Dude, this is a conversation that I have with Isabel all the time. And it, it's so interesting. If you'd have told me, I wonder if Laura's like this, but if you'd have told me before we had kids, who would be who would be more like protective and helicoptery and like shielding, I would have guessed Isabel. But man, she'll let Nova do some weird shit. She'll, she'll let Nova watch weird shit. And I turned out to be the one. And I think it's because she grew up in a nice thing. She grew up in a nice situation. She was never dropped off at Moomoo Lady's house. She doesn't even know right. what that means. Right. She never had to like fight kids for fucking peas and carrots. And I think I think I grew up in and I know you did too. I grew up in kind of some in some ways kind of a nightmare. And so I'm always just trying to make sure my daughter doesn't experience that cuz I remember what it felt like and it was horrible. It was not fun. I don't think you sitting there being forced to stare at a fucking bratwurst until your parents came was fun. Dude, a bratwurst? That's a sunny day walk in the park, dude. Where this weren't no bratwurst. This was the muumuu equivalent <laughs> to fucking uh meat that comes in a fucking tube. <laughs> a sausage? Anyways. <laughs> but I see what you're saying, dude. 
And I'm wondering, like, do our parent, do our kids need to experience a little bit more of that nightmare? <sighs> they do. I actually do think they do. And here's the thing. I'm going to say two sentences right in a row that contradict each other. I think they do. And I am unwilling to put them in it. Right. I'm with you. Dude, I'm the same way. Like, I, I won't do it. I have these friends who probably listen to this podcast who let their kids who are younger and older than my kid go to the park unsupervised. I wouldn't do that. And and they're cool about it. And here's the thing. Nothing's going to happen to their kids in the park. No. It's just not. No. The problem is, as soon as my kid's out of my eyesight, my mind is making up crazy stories, and I can't stop doing it. Here's a question, though. Because we have, I mean, I know you have Luke, but Luke's older, and Luke isn't always around. If she had a sibling close to her age or a friend in the neighborhood, would you let her go? I'd still have a hard time with it. I would too, but I would probably let her go. uh, For instance, so ACL was this past week in Austin City Limits. There's like 80,000 people running around this park. Her best friend, her dad was taking her daughter, which is her best friend, to ACL during the day for a couple hours and then the mom was going to pick her up at three. So she would have been in the park with her for two hours. And she's like, Hey, can I pick Scarlett up and take her to ACL? And I was like, you want to take my daughter to ACL? (laughs) I would have have thought the same thing. Uh, No, the answer was no, (laughs) but did anything happen to the, you know, her best friend? No, she went to ACL. She She had a good time. She ran around and it wasn't like, it wasn't an all day thing. Like I didn't know it was only going to be for two hours during the day, but even then, Hey, I'll go. I trust myself to watch my kid in a situation like that. I don't trust anybody else to watch my kid in a situation like that. Well, we have this stray cat that comes up on our porch. And the other day, Nova goes, Daddy, can I go out on the front porch and play with Asher? And I was like, no. And Isabel goes, yes, you can. And I was like, she's going to go out on the porch without us? You going to go watch her? And Isabel goes, she's eight years old. And it kind of dawned on me. I'm like, wow, what happened to me? I was doing insane shit when I was five and six, running, just running around the woods, jumping out of trees, shooting squirrels with BB guns I found. Dude, I was walking to school when I was five years old through downtown Munich, Germany, (laughs) unaccompanied (laughs) with my little backpack to and from school. And then after school. Just going wherever, doing whatever. Well, I was kind of a latchkey kid, meaning I went to my house, but it was kind of like shut the door and lock it. And then I was just alone in my house and doing anything I wanted in the house. Dude, my my daughter's afraid to go to the bathroom with us in the house. Yeah. Nova's afraid to be alone in the house, too. I think we're discovering through this conversation that we're fucking our kids up. I don't know. My son's 17. He's. He's doing pretty good. He's had a, I mean, I I think he's really a great kid. Well, how was Corey with all this stuff though? Did she maybe she balanced out your thing? I think she she definitely let him. So when she she finally moved into a neighborhood that had a cul-de-sac and kids in it, and he was probably around ten then, and so at that point she just started letting him run around the neighborhood, right? right. And then she was like, "Be back at dinner." But even, I don't know if I could have done it even when he was 10 or 11. It's hard to say. It would have been easier in a neighborhood with kids. We're actually trying to move into a neighborhood with a bunch of kids right now. 
just so that we can give her that. I just have that movie Prisoners will always be in my head. So fuck I know, man. I've been thinking lately, like, why why even watch a movie like Prisoners? For anyone curious, can, you can't. It's the you, Denis I Villeneuve. I can't watch it anymore. What's that? It, it's the Denis Villeneuve. I don't know how to say his name. He's a big hotshot now, but when he made Prisoners, he'd only made like one or two films, Enemy and maybe one other. This is before he did Arrival, before he did the uh, Blade Runner. But it's this. It's Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal, and these. There are two cops, and one of the cops' kids gets kidnapped. And this guy, this cop, basically goes rogue, breaks all protocol, and <clears throat> tortures this person trying to find his daughter. It's actually a great movie, but it. I, I don't know if I can watch movies like that anymore, dude. I mean, I saw it when I had a kid. You probably saw it before Nova, right? Yeah, because I saw it in 2013. Yeah, so when I saw it, I had a kid. So it was impossible for me to watch. I mean, I watched it. I hated it. And then I've never watched it again. Something happens when you have a kid where you just you can't tolerate movies like that. It's too much. I did a um I did a group watch with a couple of my horror film buddies where we all watched like on Hulu the new Halloween movie together. So we're like on a Zoom chat watching a movie. It was actually pretty fun. But man, the first scene of this Halloween movie, a kid gets killed. And I don't think one of the other people out of the four has kids, but I almost like logged off. I was like, whoa, man, I'm not, I don't want to watch shit where kids get killed. This should almost be put in like a parental warning or something for parents. Well, I, I went to a, I went to a screenwriting workshop and the guy said, whatever you do when you're writing your screenplay, don't harm a kid. If you harm a kid, people are out immediately. Yeah. And it's kind of true. Like I was watching Eastbound Down, which I love that series. And then I think in the third season, it starts off and he does this thing where he puts, he's got this little kid that he's taking care of, like a little baby. And he puts him, it's like supposed to mimic like when Moses was put in a little flotilla and sent down the river. Yeah. And he does that with this kid. And as soon as he does it, I I turn it off and I never watch that show again. <laughs> because here's the deal: if that guy doesn't care about this kid, and I get it, it's a joke, it's it's not real. Yeah. <clears throat> but if this guy's joking around with a kid's life like that, I don't care about him. Same with House of Cards, dude. The first season uh, of House of Cards loved it. First episode of season two, he's talking to that chick and then pushes her into the train. Yeah. And I was like, I'm done. I don't like I don't like this guy anymore. I don't care what happens to him. I don't want to watch this. Well, that was an interesting moment because until he did that, you knew he was bad and you knew he was probably willing to do anything to become president. But when that happened, you re it was shocking. I remember when that happened. I remember when that was a new episode. And I remember being like, oh, he really will do anything and they'll show it to you. Here's what's interesting about the Eastbound and Down story you just told. And the movie I watched where the kid gets killed. Guess who wrote that movie? Guess who wrote the new Halloween movie? Who? Danny McBride, the Eastbound and Down guy. Kid gets killed in the first ninety seconds of the movie. Look, look up, look up, and see if he look it up right now, and see if he's got kids. I Danny bet you McBride. he does not. If he's killing kids, he doesn't have kids. Danny McBride, <laughs> kids. <laughs> oh, he is married. They have a son and a daughter. They live in Charleston. Children. How old are these fucking kids? Age 11. 
He's Could born it? in 2011. <laughs> well, so much for that theory. Uh, we have an email I'd like to read. Well, first of all, we have a new patron. So let's say thank you to Lewis Hatfield. What's up? Hopefully oh, the coys aren't fucking yeah, too much. This is, a, uh, this is from Matt Tunden, but this is a movie question, but I don't know if we've seen it. He says, hey, guys, wondering if either of you have seen the movie RRR. It's on Netflix, and I think you would really love it. Love to hear you talk about it. I started watching it. It's like a, it's like a Bollywood movie. Oh, I start, really? I, start, I started watching it, and I, I, couldn't, I didn't get too far. And I, I can't remember if I was digging it or not. Probably not digging it. Those movies are a real hit or miss. Usually, if you if you if you hunker down and stick with it, they usually pay off because those movies are they put everything. In. I mean, it got incredible reviews. That's why I watched it. It's like a hundred percent of Run Tomatoes. A friend of mine who listens to this podcast when we were talking about Bollywood stuff, she uh, she recommended a bunch of Bollywood movies. She she like kind of gave me like a map, and I wrote it down with every intention of watching them, and then that never happened. Someone yesterday goes. Hey, I want to get your opinion on this. And it's a YouTube video of some guy making fun of country music in Nashville. Low-hanging fruit. But the video is a guitar tech who teched for some big country artist responding to the video. And it's like 25 minutes long. And they're like, yeah, I just want to see what your, how accurate this all is and like what your thoughts are about the Nashville music industry and the songwriting. And I was like, I'm not watching this. I mean, I'll answer a specific question if you have one, but I don't care what any of these people think. I don't care about Nashville country music. I don't care what the first guy said. I don't care what the guitar tech reacted to it. I don't care what these people think about that. And that's when I thought, I think I'm getting grumpy and old. Fuck that, dude. If anybody gives me anything that's 20 minutes long, it's long. Uh, no, dude. This friend of mine bought me a book to read. I'm like, don't buy me a book, bitch. I've had a few people me give a, me a book. Yeah. Buy me a sample that's free. Send me the sample. <laughs> I'll read the first chapter. If I like it, I'll buy it. But don't buy me a book. Really? You're that sure you're that sure of your taste <laughs> that you're gonna buy me a book? I gave my band a Jeff Tweedy book because I read it and it I thought it was so great, and it you don't think you have to be a Wilco fan to appreciate the wisdom in this book, and it's not very long, and it, it's a fun ride, and I, wa- I wanted my band to read it, so I gave it to my band. I don't think yeah. they read it. No, fuck no. And here's, but here's the, here, here's the thing you won't do. Get pissed off at them for not reading the book that you gave them, because you understand. I get it. Oh, I <clears throat> gave these guys a 10-hour homework assignment. <laughs> That they didn't ask for. Well, I think you could call it a homework assignment. I think it would also bring joy to their lives. But yeah, it, I get it. No one wants to read a book. No one reads well, books. Dude, Conrad Chacroon, my old, our old buddy uh, who was my drummer for years, one day I look at my bunk and there's Lonesome Dove, the paperback in my bunk. And I'm like, who, who's, who gave me this? And Conrad's like, oh, I gave it to you. I thought you might like it. Dude, I had that book for six months, never read it. Did he ask me one time if I'd read it? No, never asked me. And then one day I picked it up, read the first like sentence. I was like, oh, this is good. Read the whole book in a matter of a week, maybe, and then read the other three books that go with it. 
It's my favorite book of all time. Well, do you know that you did that to me? You put Lonesome Dove in my bunk, too. Yeah, because I passed it on. I passed it forward. I did not read the sequels, but here's what's funny about giving someone Lonesome Dove. Two things true at once. Number one, it's going to be one of the best books they ever read, period. It doesn't matter what they're into or what they like. or It's just objectively going to be one of the best books they ever read. Number yes. two, real long... <laughs> So a long, bi- a big, and really big a, thing to and ask it's somebody. It's a western. It's a western. And I've seen, I've seen the fucking, you know, I mini saw series. the made for TV miniseries, so I know what happens. I've seen that like four times. I'm gonna read the book too. I don't think so. Here's all I have to say about the TV miniseries: two words, Diane Lane. Diane Lane's like 18. She's hot in it. There's a bunch of like people that were unknown when that came out and then they won Oscars. But I mean, Duvall, Tommy Lee Jones, their their acting in that is the best. Those are two of the best actors of all time playing the parts of their lifetime together and just it's like watching Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers dance. It's truly magnificent. Yeah. I mean, I watch it every four or five years. I've only seen it the one time. I mean, it felt it's dark material. It's dark shit. Yeah, but but Duval and Tommy Lee Jones are so great. Another book that I've given people that's big, that's a long book that I'm like, look, you don't have to read it now, but I'm just giving it to you almost as a gesture so it sticks in your radar because you're like, well, Clint cared enough to give me this book is East of Eden by John Steinbeck. Yikes. Like, I would never read that. Have you ever read it? No. Oh, well, it's real good. Did you yeah, ever see I, McCabe and Mrs. Miller? With Rock Hudson? <laughs> with, uh, oh my God, Dick Tracy. Why can't I think of his fucking name? Spencer Tracy? No, the guy that played Dick Tracy. Real Warren famous. Beatty. Warren Beatty. Yeah, Warren Beatty. It's Robert Altman, Warren Beatty. Oh, right. McCa- yeah, yeah. It's like a I, Western I, I, in the snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. What anyway, it? doesn't matter. If I was going to say, if you like that film, that's what East of Eden's kind of like. Oh, well, maybe I'll watch the film, and if I like the film, then I'll consider it. But, I mean, John Steinbeck is like, I mean, I read The Pearl. I read Of Mice and Men. Why? Because they were the two thinnest books. When I was in ninth and 10th grade, I took CSE English at this English military school. And all I had to do was read 35 books in two years and write essays on them and mm. so there was this closet that had all the books in it and yeah. you just go in the closet and i was just like what's the skinniest book in here you probably did the old man in the sea then as well i did of mice and men and the pearl because they were tiny what other books did you do in that series i did day of the triffids <laughs> i did all i did all the science fiction books yeah day of the triffids that was a big sci-fi movie uh i don't remember all oh i did catcher in the rye my favorite book of all time jd salinger I mean, it was my favorite book when I was, you know, a young man. I haven't reread it since I was like 15. A lot of the books they make you read when you're a kid are really good. I mean, I remember being forced to read like 1984. It's one of my favorites. Oh, I read 1984, Brave New World in that class. Fahrenheit 451. I don't know if that was in there because it was Brit lit. So it was all British authors. Oh, I don't know if Ray Bradbury was. I don't think. Did you read um, Kurt Vonnegut? I've read all Kurt Vonnegut, but he's Canadian or something. I don't think he's British. Either. Well, he lived in New York. I was just, that's usually 
Slaughterhouse Five is usually one of those books. I started watching this documentary, Unstuck in Time, about Kurt Vonnegut last night, and I was like, oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna reread all the Kurt Vonnegut's. Well, they're real easy to read. They're real fun and easy. I mean, I read them all, and then I so I started reading uh, Breakfast of Champions last night. So I worked in this bookstore when I was a teenager, Stars and Stripes bookstore, and part of my job was like if we didn't sell magazines or paperbacks after a certain amount of time, you just tore the cover off and you sent the cover back to the publisher to prove that you didn't sell the magazine. And then I would have to take all these magazines that didn't have covers and all these paperbacks that didn't have covers to the incinerator and throw them in the incinerator. What a waste. But what I would do is I would take any pornographic material home with me to, to check it out, just to prove for the articles. And then any paperbacks that I thought were cool, I would take. So I had a giant bookshelf of paperbacks. And if you pulled any of them out, none of them had a cover. One of those books was Slaughterhouse-Five. And I tried to read that book 10 times. And I couldn't get past like the first couple pages. I was like, this book might now sense to me in my 15, 16, 17-year-old head. But it was a book that finally, when I got through the first few pages and, and was able to finish it, easily top five books of all time. Well, look, now that we've proved that we're amazing parents, we are cinephiles, studious readers of books, great thinkers of ideas. Dude, we're, and, the, we're the greatest of all time and everything. And men who have survived childhood trauma. Yeah. To become shiny diamonds, we must now leave the good people and go to the secret weekly. Thanks for yeah. listening. You can take off your sunglasses now. <laughs> if you want to come to the secret weekly, which is where we talk about shit we can't say on the show, you can join us on Patreon, P A T R E O N dot com slash just the letters I O K. If not, we'll see you later. Also, write in Bob and Clint at gmail.com. Give us some fun shit to talk about, and maybe we'll do it. Maybe we won't. I don't know. But off we go now. Ooh, here we go. I, I hear the. The engine's starting up. I'm being sucked into the Seeker Weekly. Oh. Look at that.